It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This Locked On Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less, take out, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals plus free shipping on your first box, and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. You are locked on Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today we welcome back Chad Dotson. We're going to get you all excited about the 2020 Cincinnati Reds here today on the Locked on Reds podcast. And here we go. Alrighty, for today's Locked on Reds. I have the man from Locked on Cubs, Sean Sears. We've got a little bit of a crossover going on today. One of our uh, couple of Locked on crossovers. And it's going to be an interesting year because finally the Reds like or paid attention to free agency and did some stuff there. And they've built a very interesting team. Something that we in the Queen City are super excited to watch whenever it is that we get to watch them. And on the Cubs side, at least from my perspective, I still think they are a very talented team that's got a lot of intriguing pieces and still very capable of winning this division. So let's start there. What is the feeling in Cubs land? How are you guys approaching the first year of David Ross and all of this that's been going on up there? Yeah, it's it's different. Um, and I, I think that's the biggest difference. We're seeing a lot of guys um, talking about just how different Joe Madden's approach was compared to what David Ross is doing. And um, it, it feels like uh, up until maybe right before spring training started, it really felt like it was going to teeter-totter between the Cubs tossing it up and just kind of trading Chris Bryant because that's all we heard all offseason. Oh, yeah. um, but they, they pulled it together. He's now their leadoff hitter, which I'm actually a huge fan of. Um, okay. And it was you could kind of get the sense it was it was kind of reassuring, I think, to some fans when they were seeing like Chris Bryant and Javi Baez and uh, Anthony Rizzo together. It's like, oh, yeah, that's right. These guys are really good. Like they're still this is still a good team and there's still a chance that we could see this team reach its potential. But since they won the World Series, it just kind of feels like they've just constantly taken those steps back. But with Ross and Fold, at least his approach to the game, at least at the very least, it's it's energized this group. They're definitely more excited. They're definitely more involved. It's more cohesive. Um, and it, it feels like this team is working together as a team and less um, just like individual effort, which I, I think is a big difference between from Ross to, to Madden. So it's it's a different feel. But 
um, it's still the same guys. So it's it'll be interesting to see how the season plan pans out once it starts. I was kind of perusing the different uh, spring statistics that have been for you know both our sides. Obviously, kind of kept my eye on the Reds a lot more, but I, I glanced over the Cubs here recently. <laughs> And seeing some interesting names, you got some young guys uh, really stepping up, like Nico Horner and guys like that. Uh, when it comes to the guys who have moved on and things like that, and trying to fill different holes that you saw from last year, has anyone stepped up uh, through the slate of spring games that you did see? And I know it's a small sample size, but was there anyone that was stepping up to you to fill those spots that had been vacated? Yeah, definitely. Um, center field and, and second base are two big positions right now because they're they're probably the only two positions um, that aren't really settled. Um, but at second base, we've seen David Bodie and, and Jason Kipnis kind of emerge a little bit at, at that spot. They'll likely be splitting and platooning. Um, but Nico Horner's a guy that uh, Cubs fans are really excited about. He obviously played, I think it was like 18, 19 games last year and um, just kind of flashed some really nice potential towards the end of that season and helped the Cubs kind of push for a postseason spot until it kind of fell apart towards the end. But um, Horner's an impressive guy. He's got great hand-eye coordination. His bat-to-ball skills are really impressive. Um, he's just a really athletic guy, and he seems like he's got a good head on his shoulder. So um, I'm excited for him. He's likely going to probably break camp um, with a minor league team, uh, probably double-A AA or triple-A um, to start the season, just because the Cubs, with the situation they're now, at least I, I don't think they can really commit to starting a guy like Horner at second at the moment. So to get him the, the most opportunities, at least while he's still developing, they'll probably stick him in the minors um, to start the season. But um, he's really was turning it on these last like week or so of spring training before they suspended it. Uh, he hit a couple triples. He was making some great plays in the field. It kind of felt like he was taking steps to maybe making that major league club. So um, Horner turned some heads definitely, but the guys that have been surprising the most are Ian Happ and Albert Almora. Um, I think Almora won his first four games and didn't make an out. Um, he was a completely different guy and it was weird to see him at the start of the season. He talked about, uh, how he changed his approach and he had a completely different swing and it was going to make a difference. And it just kind of screamed spring training, you know, like insert cliche here sort of comment, <laughs> um, best shape of their life sort of thing. And he came out and he, he really kind of played well. I, I think he cooled off a little bit. I don't think he was still batting a thousand at this point when spring training ended, but, um, he was doing a lot better. Um, we're, we're seeing him make contact and Ian Happ has looked really good too. He had a strong, um, showing last year when he did come up from the minors after, I think he played like almost the entire year in triple a, um, but he ended up coming up and making an impact there too. So there's been some memes there, but, um, beyond that, like it's kind of, you know, Anthony Rizzo's doing his thing. Javier Baez is doing his thing. Chris Bryant's looked good at leading off. Um, we're seeing the norms. It's going to kind of be who can elevate their play that it really will make the difference for the Cubs this year. Reds fans will uh, bemoan the fact that Ian Happ has kind of uh, had a little bit of a resurgence because he seems to love to play the Reds. In fact, he made my uh, all-time Reds killer team. He was the starting center fielder for that. But just because it went, you know, it was something that we did, like based on a career uh, performance uh, 
as opposed to against the Reds, he just draws his <laughs> power from Clifton, from the UC campus, <laughs> I feel like. But uh, but it, it is, and all kidding aside, it is nice to see him still in his young uh, part of his career kind of getting right. back on track. When it comes to last year, so last year, from an outsider's perspective, looking at the Cubs, it just felt like they were that one run away. Like, you know, maybe like one run of really good stretch of winning. That was a mm. terrible sentence that I just formed there. But, uh, you know, <laughs> one one really good stretch of uh, win streak or something like that away from figuring it all out. What was it about last year that you think will be different this year? It's going to be tough. Um, the Cubs were just a team that felt really unlucky. Um, I remember towards the end of the season last year, I think there was one game that kind of just perfectly personified the, the Cubs season. They were facing the Cardinals. It was a Saturday and a must-win game to essentially stay even just remotely close to alive in the playoffs. The, the very slim chance, but they were playing for their postseason lives here. And they were going against the Cardinals back and forth game, and they'd finally taken the lead after like four straight innings of lead changes between the Cubs and the Cardinals. And the Cubs hit two home runs. One of them comes off of Nico Horner. So they are up. I think it's um, nine to seven at that point. Um, and Craig Kimbrell comes up. Oh, no, it's nine to eight. Actually, Craig Kimbrell comes up to the uh, comes up to save the game. His first two pitches he throws are uh, home runs, <laughs> oh. uh, and the Cubs lose, um, 10 to nine and essentially their season is over. Um, it just was little tiny things that continually killed the Cubs. Dumb things like not being patient in the box at the beginning of games or not pushing pitch counts higher or like silly mistakes, like thinking there's one out or, Turning it, trying to turn a double play and just losing the grip on the ball. The bullpen imploded at the start of the season last year. There were just so many things working against them. And then, you know, once it felt like they were maybe gaining ground, Javi Baez got hurt. Uh, Anthony Rizzo just had the nastiest roll of his ankle. Um, so I think the difference this year really is the Cubs are healthy coming into the season. They've got pretty much everyone that's an everyday starter available. Um, and the bullpen, while not necessarily full of home homegrown talent or name brand relievers. It's kind of a mixed mosh posh of like just guys um, who all throw really hard and are kind of hoping that Craig Kimbrell finds himself a little bit outside of what he did last year um, to kind of figure things out. So it's going to come down to if the bullpen can hold it together and if the Cubs can stay healthy really. Um, but they're hoping for a fast start because this team could easily be sellers at the deadline if things go south quickly. That'll be interesting to see. I know with um, a new manager and all that stuff, I wonder how quick they will be uh, to kind of start it over because I think that this division is going to be so confusing for teams that, you know, yeah. like 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 if the Reds, you know, I was thinking about this, it's like if they don't get out to a really good start, but maybe if they're like 500 or something through the first quarter of the season – they're still going to look like they're right there because this division is just going to battle and battle and battle, at least the top, you know, top four teams. I, I know the Pirates will probably Definitely. be pesky, but for the most part, they're not going to be in the race. When it when you look at this season and um, just looking back, on, let's say, okay, mm -hmm. whenever, whenever it is, maybe it's January that the season's finally over. I don't know. But we're looking <laughs> back on the 2020 season. How do you think this division shakes out? 
it's tough because like you were saying, like the, the top three, four teams are all somewhere between 80 and 90 wins. Um, so it's really going to come down to basically how they do against each other, like any division, but more so here because you've got the the Cubs, the Reds, the Cardinals. Those three teams, I think, are clear cut, probably the, the best teams in that division. Yeah. The Brewers could easily be back in that conversation. And then obviously the Pirates aren't great. But if I if I had to pick a team right now that looks better on paper, it's the Reds. Like they've gotten <laughs> so much better than all these other teams. And they already had probably the best rotation in that division. They had a really strong bullpen. Um, Eugenio Suarez just smashes baseballs. I can't believe he hit 49 home runs last year. That's <laughs> nuts. He had right, at least a like, couple that were robbed, and I just look back on those with angst, like, ah, oh, he could have had 50. I know. <laughs> it's such a better number, too. It just feels better, you know? Mm-hmm, it's a bigger mm-hmm. accomplishment in your head. But, yeah, I mean, like, this team had so many good things going for it last year, and now you've added a guy like Nick Castellanos, who was just irreplaceable for the Cubs last year. He was so important to that team. Him and Kyle Schwarber were easily the biggest reasons the Cubs were still in the postseason race. And you, Darvish, of course. But... Um, I think the Reds just made a ton of really good moves. And when you look at the rest of these teams, the Cubs kind of stood pat. They're hoping on another year of basically selling internal, hopefully progress on some of these players. They're hoping these guys reach their ceilings, but it's the same club club. It has been since they won the world series, the Cardinals lost Marcelo Zuna and don't really have a clear replacement. And Dylan Carson, their top prospect could be like a player that comes into this, but he's not going to play in this team to start the year. So the Cardinals have a really good rotation and, uh, you know, Paul Goldschmidt. I don't know. Paul DeYoung is great, but that team does have a lot of question marks. And then the Brewers, kind of same situation. Like Christian Yelich isn't going to be 100% to start the season. Um, and the rest of this team is kind of built off of Ryan Braun, which is weird. Um, <laughs> so it's it's tough to get an idea of what, what the Brewers are necessarily too, but they'll still be annoying. They'll still have a really good bullpen. So those four teams, like, they're just, like you said, going to be bashing each other's heads in. Um, so I, I think, and especially with the truncated season, um, I saw reports something like saying that there could be a, even an 81-game season that's apparently on the table. Like, that's incredible. Like, that right. would be, I mean, a 10-game win streak or a 10-game losing streak like probably wins you or loses you your season. Like, that's insane. So, like, if it, if it gets truncated to that size, which I don't, I hope doesn't happen, um, you know, like these games between the the Reds, the Cubs, the Cardinals and Brewers are going to be just incredibly important. So um, I think if I had to pick a team, though, to come out on top, it's probably the Cardinals or the Reds. I, I just think they're the two better teams. I think the Cubs could be in that picture, but it's you're going to have to kind of wait and see what this team looks like at a, a month into baseball before you get an idea of who they really are. That's the one thing that I'm worried about with this whole thing is that the one team that seems to feed on the turmoil of the division is that pesky team in St. Louis that likes its arches and all those things. And uh, I've heard it's very boring, apparently. (laughs) (laughs) Hopefully, hopefully I'm wrong on that. But uh, before we uh, uh, before we move on in our crossover here, uh, I did have Mm -hmm. one quick question for you. It's an easy one. Um, where's Kyle Schwarber from? Ooh, <laughs> it's from Cincinnati. <laughs> Close. Now it's, 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 it's really dumb because there's it's, this, uh, it's, isn't it Canton? No, no, no. He's, oh, he's, where is he? he's from Middletown, Ohio. Ugh, and the I only reason, too. I, 
<laughs> the only reason I ask that is because we have an announcer on our, uh, mostly on television, but sometimes he does radio as well, that sure. likes to remind us every single time he comes up to bat where Kyle <laughs> Schwarber is from. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and you may or may not know this announcer because he also used to talk uh, about Cubs games for a living, but he, uh, mm. yeah, every single time he's up to bat, and we've basically taken to nicknaming Kyle Schwarber, and we have to say his whole full name. So his nickname literally <laughs> is all is Kyle. Kyle Schwarber is from Middletown, Schwarber. <laughs> <laughs> because that's, I mean, that's all we hear. That's all we hear that he's Kyle Schwarber from Middletown. Um, oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, he's got a, he's got his Ohio State helmet in his locker or his locker, and he's got his, um, he's got his, He's got pictures of him playing linebacker um, in his locker <laughs> from nice. Middletown. But yeah, it's funny. Yeah, He's a good middies. guy. <laughs> so, Sean, I have a question for you. Yeah, what's up, Jeff? Do you hate stepping on the scale? I mean, I'm, I'm not a guy that works out all the time. So, I mean, you know, <laughs> I'm not necessarily stoked to step on the scale. I'm not going to lie. I'm right there with you. But maybe... It's just because you haven't met the right one. There's this company. Oh, really? Yeah. And, 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 and this uh, really cool company called Withings, who's produced the world's first smart scale. You ever, have you ever thought about getting a smart scale? I've seen them before. Um, I thought digital scales were smart scales, but um, I'm, I'm learning very quickly that that's, uh, that's not quite the, the situation. We live in a world where uh, we have these things, these amenities. <laughs> I'll be honest. I'm right there with you. I never would have thought of smart scale, but Withings was the first company to come up with this whole smart scale thing, and they're still the best. You know what the funniest thing is about stepping on the scale is sometimes when I look at that number, I completely forget at the moment I step off the scale. It's just, just the way that <laughs> yeah, life goes sometimes, you know, especially if it's bad. If it's bad, then I don't want to know. But when it comes to this whole smart scale thing, it goes straight to your phone and it uses Wi-Fi or Bluetooth. Which oh, is really? Cool. That, that is super nice because obviously if it's Bluetooth, you've got to have it like right next to you then, right? Right. And but since it's on Wi-Fi, if you're, you know, just waking up, stumbling into the bathroom, you don't have to remember to stumble into the bathroom with your phone on you because that would be weird. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. But when it comes to this scale that I'm talking about with Withings, it's called the Body Plus scale, and not only does it send your weight to your phone, it also sends full body composition weight trend, and even a local weather report. So, I mean, I don't know why the scale would know what the weather is, but this one does. Hey, I mean, that's nice. I mean, I'm going to look it up eventually. So if my scale is going to tell me hey, exactly. you know, more about my day. <laughs> exactly. And the best part about it is this one scale can support up to eight users, and it can even tell which user is which. Wow. That's actually, it just, you just step on it and it knows, man, I don't know. That's actually a great thing though. Cause I mean, obviously if you've got multiple people in your house, you don't have to worry about, you know, who's on what or what's going on. It's all going to go to your phones, which is super nice. Exactly. You don't have your wife yelling at you that you used her scale or, you know, I don't know how that all works <laughs> because sometimes I just like to forget that there's even a scale in the house, but 
with our special offer today. You can get the Withing Scale at 25% off. That's the Body Plus Scale for 25% off. You get a withings.com slash MLB for a very limited time. That's W-I-T-H-I-N-G-S dot com slash MLB. You're going to get 25% off the Body Plus Body Composition Scale. Yeah, of course. Well, we were talking beforehand about the Reds a little bit, or about the Cubs, excuse me. Um, I love talking about the Cubs, but <laughs> I want to get you on here because I want to hear you a little uh, talk a little bit more about the Reds. Uh, obviously, a very exciting offseason. I know we touched on it a little bit um, coming into uh, the first portion of our segment, but obviously this team made a ton of huge moves. I guess which one of these moves was probably the biggest surprise to you? Like, who was the guy that rolled all across your phone and you're like, oh my God, we, we just signed this guy? <laughs> Because there's a lot of them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, all of them had a measure of surprise to it because whenever we started the offseason and they said, oh, hey, this offseason we are hashtag get the hitting. That's our mandate. We're going to go after the hitting. And I'm like, all right, what, what are we going to do here? We're going to trade for some dude who's like 42 and has one arm or how's this going to work? But no, they went for some legit dudes. They brought in Mike Mustakis right before – uh, Reds Fest, which everyone loved because then they brought him to Reds Fest and they're like, look at this new guy. He's awesome. And we right. were super happy about that. But I, I'm loving that I'm talking with you here today because randomly the whole offseason mandate of get the hitting and they also got a pitcher as well links back to the Cubs a little bit. And the most surprised that I was was whenever I got the update that the Reds signed Nick Castellanos. Because if you'd have put a gun to my head at the beginning of the offseason, I'd have said he was going back to Chicago, that there was no way that he was coming to Cincinnati. And sure enough, they somehow worked the voodoo that they do so well, and they brought him over to Cincinnati. And we are so excited about this. I mean, I know that you know people like to try to bring really excited folks about Nick Cassianos down to earth by saying that his defense isn't all that great i don't really care he plays right field like whatever <laughs> as long as he can get the ball back into the infield that's all i'm worried about i want to know what he does for me on the hitting side and he does a lot and i'm super happy to have him on the team but i mean all of the moves that they've done there's a measure of excitement even the Wade Miley move like People are like, well, why are you signing Wade Miley and forcing Tyler Malley out of the rotation? Tyler Malley, a really good young arm, has a lot of promise, but I like the rotation depth. And now, of course, with the way that this season is shaping up, who knows if we're going to even need it, but it's nice to have it. <laughs> right. But overall, yeah. Nick Castellanos, most surprising for me. Castellanos is, I mean, he made such a big difference for the Cubs last year, um, but he's also just a really, really nice guy. Um, at the end of the season last year, he uh, he actually sat at his last game at Wrigley. I think he sat on top of the, the dugout for about like 20 minutes and just kind of like took it in. Um, he was clearly super excited to be playing for a team that was in the middle of a pennant race. And while they didn't make the postseason, he was very motivated to play. And he made such a big difference in the Cubs culture that last I mean, I think he played, I think it was 40-something games for the Cubs at the end of the year. I mean, he came away with 18 home runs, uh, <laughs> 53 scored runs. I think he had close to 30 doubles. Um, right. He hit, I know, I think he, I think it was 29 doubles in the first half and the second half. He hit 29 <laughs> doubles as a Cub. Like, that was nuts. Um he was, he was such a big difference, and I'm, I'm glad he's on a team like Cincinnati because I, I, I like, 
obviously I like watching you guys, but you've got a lot of players on that team that I'm, I'm, I like watching, especially Sonny Gray is another good guy, obviously too, but, um, you guys have a fun team and it's going to be fun to watch you guys, but seeing Nick Castellanos a little bit is going to suck. Um, <laughs> I won't lie. Um, it, it will suck a little bit to see him in Cincinnati, but, uh, I'm glad he's in a park that you guys have, uh, you know, obviously you're, you guys have a good fan base. You'll appreciate them. So, but, um, for this team right now, obviously like you, you guys made a ton of moves this off season and that's huge, but you guys had one of the best rotations in baseball. And I feel like nobody talked about that. And partially because obviously the, the Reds finished last year, was it 75 and 87, something like that. Um, obviously they were a little bit better in the run scoring. I think the Thagger and theorem had them really close to like a, a 500 club team last year, but, um, that all mainly had to do with their starting pitching. I think you guys had like, I think Sonny Gray and Luis Castellanos or excuse me, Luis Castillo, <laughs> too many yeah. Castellanos and Castillos. <laughs> um, but yeah, your, your guys' two first starters, I think led your team in war. Um, your rotation is so good. And now you have Trevor Bauer, who obviously wasn't necessarily super great last year, but is coming into this as a guy who's been really good and one of the better pitchers in baseball and seems to be motivated to be in Cincinnati how you feel about this rotation? This could be the best in baseball, honestly. Dude, I am super excited to see how they fill out the season. The the only thing that I'm a, it gives me a little bit of pause is last year they were all super healthy and you know, the law of averages would say that who knows, we might have to worry about that a little bit this year. But beyond worrying about health, the talent is absolutely there. Luis Castillo is a dude who if you look at his last two seasons, he had one half of the season was absolutely phenomenal. And then one half of the season was just bad enough to make his overall year just pretty good. If he had put it all together in one whole season, I mean, he would have been in the Cy Young voting. And then you had Mm -hmm. Sonny Gray, who did make his way a little bit on there. I think he finished like ninth or something. So, I mean, that's a thing. You know, he was on the ballot at least. Right. But he had an amazing year as well. And we were so happy with that because – the biggest thing whenever they traded for him was, oh boy, we're getting this guy, the the Yankees, they're looking to make the playoffs, and here they are willing to part with a starter. He must not be what right. anyone thinks he's going to be. So he had that chip on his shoulder coming in. They get his old college coach and Derek Johnson to be the pitching coach, and things just take off. And the, and the best part was um, – there, there was a uh, video podcast on YouTube that uh, Ryan Ruoco and CC Sabathia do, and they had Sonny Gray and Trevor Bauer on there. And Sonny Gray oh, said no that way. one of the biggest things whenever Trevor Bauer came over is that all year he had been hearing the Edgetronic and the Rap Sotos and all this different stuff from Derek Johnson and, and the assistant pitching coach Caleb Cotham. They were giving him all this information. He was like, huh? Uh-huh. I, I want to get better. I don't, really don't know what that means, but yes, we will work on it. We will get there. And then Trevor Bauer comes in and he acts like a translator. And then the light bulb clicked on in Sunny uh... Ring. So the the whole rotation's gonna benefit whether or not I mean, to say that Trevor Bauer's gonna have his two thousand and eighteen numbers again is a little bit of a stretch because they are so far away from his career levels. Right. But I definitely think they're gonna be better. Than last year, as a red, he had a six plus ERA. I don't see that happening again because then we're talking about Homer Bailey esque numbers. And don't get me started about <laughs> Homer Bailey. But <laughs> the other guy that's really going to be in, interesting in this and could, depending on how the season plays out, could be their third best starter is Anthony Di Sclafani. In his mm-hmm. last 
eight. It's either six or eight. And I'm going to look it up after we get done talking and I'm going <laughs> to shoot myself whichever number's right. But it's either his last six or eight starts. He had an ERA under two. Dude was absolutely phenomenal, and he has shown some really good talent in the past. I, I don't think he's going to be a dude that pitches under two or under three for like an entire year. But if he's in the low threes of the ERA and he's going to be like our third or fourth starter, that's amazing. And I just that that would be a huge reason why the Reds had a positive run differential for much of the year. It was like mm-hmm. there was this this stretch in late August that. It, it was just obvious that they weren't going to contend after this stretch, and so everything kind of fell apart after that. But up till then, there was guys like me who were eternal optimists that were looking at it and say, see, they should be better. Look at their Pythagorean. They should be better. <laughs> and it, it came back down to earth toward the end of the year. But, yeah, the, the pitching staff has me so excited. And, and there are, I mean, definitely Washington and uh, Los Angeles, and, and there are teams like that that have legitimate arguments that they are better than Cincinnati, but they cannot sure. dismiss Cincinnati, which I love. Yeah, no, that's that's the biggest thing. I feel like you guys just don't get the love you deserve because, like, like you were saying, I mean, your your pitching staff was was carrying you guys to just almost. I mean, you you had a positive run differential for so long. You were, I think, at one point the Reds were leading the league in the run differential. It's just like, what is happening? <laughs> yeah, exactly. This is this team should be so much better. So I, I I'm glad they've got the offensive firepower at least, hopefully to to level out with the pitching. Um, but looking at this team you guys have some younger guys coming up like obviously our cds aquino made a difference last year i think he hit close to 20 home runs uh nick senzel's a guy that obviously a top prospect and a guy that i think he got banked up a little bit last year um jesse winkler's another young guy i don't know if he's necessarily a top prospect but these guys are are young and hoping to make probably an impact this year but i guess out of those guys who do you see really stepping up and becoming maybe an everyday starter for the reds this year I've been saying uh, just about all offseason that I think it's going to be Senzel. Right now, he doesn't actually have a position because they went out, they got Shogo Akiyama and Nick Castellanos Mm -hmm. to fill out two-thirds of their outfield. Meanwhile, they've got Winker in left field, and then they may platoon him with Philip Irvin, which then fills out the outfield. But David Bell all offseason has been saying, well, Nick Senzel's an outfielder. He's an outfielder, even though he came up through the minors as an infielder, second base, third base, whatever. I don't, You know what? As long as he gets at bats, if they do the Ben Zobris thing and they put him wherever they can put him to keep in the lineup, he's going to catch fire. Because last year, whenever he was hot, whenever he was doing his thing, he had a certain stance and a certain swing. He was a little bit more upright and things like that. And then all of a sudden, they tweaked. They they tried to mess with it. They tried to fix it. There was nothing to fix, but they still fixed it anyway. And when they fixed it, they made it worse. And he was striking out more. He wasn't seeing the ball well. And then he gets hurt. And it was kind of one of those things where it ends on a down note where he was trying to come back and fix things and all of a sudden he's hurt and he can't play the rest of the year and so now fans are thinking is he the answer is he on the outs and then they go and they make all these moves I think he's going to be the guy that steps up Winker's an interesting case because I think they almost unassumingly made him a platoon left fielder it was like any time the opposing team brought in a lefty reliever they immediately switched him out it wasn't even like we'll give him one at bat no they would switch him out for whatever right handy or right-handed hitting outfielder they had on the bench 
And it just made you wonder because he's still a young dude. He can still develop. And right. yet it's like they don't even want to see him develop at all against lefty hitters. So now through the spring, which whatever, you know, tiny sample size, who knows what sort of talent they're actually facing. He didn't look terrible against left-handed pitching. So maybe they give him a longer leash this year. I don't know. But uh, Winker is still going to be an interesting one. Aquino, he's got a long road to hoe. Whenever they brought in Nick Castellanos, it was very clear that they still wanted to see some more development. Aquino's mm. August was fire. Nothing but fire. He didn't do anything but hit home runs. He like hardly ever got out, and it was amazing. And then in September, strikeout, 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 strikeout. Every yeah. team figured out you throw fastballs up and in, sliders low and away. He can't, he, he can't hit either one, but he's going to swing at both of them. And so he's got a little bit more development. He's probably going to start the year in AAA whenever the year does start. But I definitely think that he's got a bright future, especially, you know, the the contract stipulations with Castellanos. He's got an opt-out after year one and year two. So it's nice to know that the Reds have a young option with a really good arm that can step in for him if Castellanos decides to take that opt-out. Yeah. That's true, at least. Definitely some built-in insurance. If Castellanos explodes in Cincinnati, I could see a team coming in and wanting to pay him a multi-year deal, and he deserves it. So, But, yeah, I, I like the built-in there. I, I agree with you. I, I think Senzel is just such a talented guy. And like you said, it was just a bummer because it really did feel like he was starting to turn that corner and, and make those adjustments to really take that his game to the next level, and then he gets hurt. And everyone's just kind of left with that bad taste in their mouth. And it's... It's not fair. I mean, like the guy was a top prospect. He's incredible. Right. He he's like he was easily one of the best athletes in that class. Like I I I think people are gonna have you know they're gonna have to take the foot out of their mouth here later on at some point when they see how good this guy is. So I I'm excited for Senzel. I know I was seeing stuff before the season about him maybe playing shortstop. That's probably not gonna happen at this point, right? I wish it was one of those things that there were a lot of people that figured out ways to make it make sense for him to play shortstop but the only issue is they very very seldomly put him there as he came up through the minors and whenever they put him there they were not enthused by what they saw and so as annoying as it sounds because when you have I mean Freddie Galvis is a passable shortstop there are guys who are better there are guys who are worse but the guys who are behind him in Kyle Farmer and Alex Blandino and whoever else could possibly stand in the shortstop spot. You know, there's a couple of young guys, which some are thinking like, how old, uh, real quick, how old is Nico Horner? Uh, I think he is 23. See, so he's even further along than Jose Garcia is. O Jose Garcia really broke out early on in this spring, which we know breaking out in spring, you got to take that with a grain of salt because there's lots of guys who have done that who have done nothing in the actual regular season. But mm -hmm. with him doing his thing, it really started to raise some eyebrows like, oh, maybe he could be the shortstop. And it's like, dude, he's 21. He hasn't been above single A. Let him breathe. Let him figure this whole major league thing out. So with that being said, I feel like Sinzel's athleticism would lend him to being an option at shortstop, but there has been absolutely no indication. And if there's any indication at all, it's that they don't want to put him there. Yeah, that's, and I think it's just silly. Like I, yes, uh, I, I think at least, you know, see what you have, especially when you've got all the, you know, bats you can find, like obviously getting a guy like Senzel 
just experience at shortstop, even if you don't want to play him there every day, just making sure that's even an option for you, even just for emergency situations. Like why, why not? Like the kid's obviously talented enough to work at it and hopefully get better to where he can be passable. And like you were saying, like Freddie Galvis is like, he's fine at shortstop, but it's not like, I mean, like unless sends out, like literally can't field anything there. Like I can't, you can't tell me Galvis is a million times better than <laughs> right. Right. And then sends out there. So, I mean, like, it's not like you're losing much there either way. And you're, you're probably gaining more and figure out what your player can do. So, um, two, two last questions here for you. Joey Votto, obviously not a great 2019, but he was, it wasn't as bad as I think some people made it out to be. Um, he was definitely coming along a little bit more towards the end of the season, but I mean, it, he definitely looked like a 35 year old guy playing baseball. And that was a bummer. Um, <laughs> I guess, what is it, uh, what does it take for Votto to bounce back in 2020? I think, uh, and, and it's something that I've talked about quite a bit on my show is that a bounce back for him. We've got to redefine his expectations. He's never going to be that 2017 Joey Votto that by all rights should have won the MVP that year. Even though the Reds themselves were not a very good team, he himself was awesome. He's not. Joey Votto was great. Yeah. Yes. He's. I love Joey Votto. He's still my favorite player, still my favorite Red, but he's not going to have the power numbers. If he hits 20 home runs in a year, uh, it's going to be a surprise to me. I think he's more of a 15 to 18 type guy in there, but I don't think that that cripples him. I know a lot of people say, oh, first baseman, he's got to drive in runs. Joey's got a completely different way of approaching this game. He has legit ability to get on base 40% of the time or more with his right. eye and his command of the strike zone. So they're going to bat him second. They've, they've come out and they said, especially whenever Shogo and Joey Votto are in the lineups, Shogo's going to bat leadoff and Joey Votto's going to bat second. So he could be on the base quite a bit for guys behind him like Gino and Castellanos and Moose so that they can drive him in. And then on the other end of the spectrum, he still has the ability to drive the ball to all fields. Maybe not necessarily, you know, drive it over the wall, but he's got that line drive stuff. He, you know, get a double here and there, things like that. I think a good year for him now is probably 280, 285 with like a 390 to 400 on base. And as much as it pains me to say this, we're really not looking too hard at the slugging. Like, I don't think he's going to slug his batting average, but I don't think it's going to be anywhere near his career levels and how good he used to be. That being said, though, I still think he could be like, you know, late. I keep saying this late stage of his career, Todd Helton. I think that's where Joey Votto could be very easily. Yeah, uh, I I agree with that. I think Votto. I mean, like you were saying, he doesn't. And, he, and with the lineup you guys have now, with all the bats, uh, you know, especially just your outfield alone now has plenty of pop. You don't need right. Joey Votto to hit 20, 30 home runs anymore. Like you've got plenty of guys who can hit for pop. But his on base ability is great. I think you'd see a definite jump in runs scored for him. And he still plays really sound defense at first base. He's still going to be able to pick balls. He's still. God, he's one of the sneakiest guys in, uh, on pickoff attempts. Like, he's just so good at flipping that mitt down there. I feel like he's gotten the Cubs so many times at first base. Um, <laughs> and he is but, a guy that, you know, they're talking about how cool it would be to have guys mic'd up. I would love to have him mic'd up. He's oh always talking to people down there at first. 
A hundred percent. I still, every time I think of Joey Votto, I, I always laugh about the time he was at Wrigley Field and he was trying to get into the stadium and they didn't know who he was. Like, it was just like, <laughs> yeah, that was like, oh, what? Funny. Like, at that, of all the people that it happened to, like Joey Votto, like, <laughs> <laughs> gonna, you're going to see him a million times on the field later, man. He plays for his base. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. He's just a, uh, he's a character. He's a fun guy to be around. And I, I know there was like that viral moment last year when someone was talking to him and give him a hard time uh, and he like I don't know like poke their beer over or something like that I don't know he's just a funny guy he'd be super fun to listen to mic'd up so oh yeah um last question for you Jeff um with this Reds team who's one guy on this team starter pitcher you know hitter whatever it may be um who's one guy on this team you feel like no one's talking about now that we will be talking about the end of the season hmm that's a toughie because, uh, and it's one thing like Red's Twitter is so active and they've obviously for good reason been super excited this year. I think we've almost overlooked our man Gino. And I think that's a good thing because mm-hmm. one of the things that the front office has done with the people that they've brought in between Moose and Castellanos and Shogo, it's like, man, we've got a legit lineup now. And what they did was they took pressure off of him. Gino doesn't have to be the out-and-out best guy, and he doesn't have to put this lineup on his back and carry it like he kind of did a little bit last year. He can be the guy. He can just go out there, do his thing, and he is a consummate professional, but he's also like so good with the community and with the fans. He's the kind of guy that it's so easy to root for him. And I think that just with all these new guys coming in, people have kind of – not to say that they forgot about him, not to say that they think that he wa- he won't be as good as he was last year, but I think we're going to be looking back on 2020 and just being like, man, look at that. Gino just, again, just bringing it again and again and again. Yeah. I, I mean, Eugenio Suarez was super fun to watch last year, and he was a guy that I, I, I know Ryan Davis, who hosts the show with me from time to time too, him and I both talk about how he was like probably the most underrated player that no one was talking about. Yeah. Um, people are going to talk about him this year, which well-deserved, but I think you're right too. I think people kind of forget as well. Like Nick Castellanos is the big name that came over because of the great season he had with the Cubs. Like obviously people know Mike Moustakis and the things he's did with the Royals and Brewers. Like Shogo Akiyama was the big Japanese player for this off season. Like there's a lot of guys in there and then Trevor Bauer's just going to be the most active guy on Twitter. So like you can see <laughs> how everything's going to get pulled away from him. But I think once game starts, it's going to be like, oh yeah, that's right. Eugenio Suarez hit 49 home runs last year. <laughs> exactly. So. And and you've got on the positive side of the spectrum, you got all those guys. And then on the other side, you've got people wondering if Joey can bounce back. People wondering if Freddie Galvis can prove his medal and that he's worth what the Reds have kind of expected from him and that they didn't go out and get another shortstop. So people just, I mean, Gino's just kind of sitting over there in the corner, just smiling and talking to people just like, yeah, no, nah, you don't worry <laughs> about it, man. Whenever the game starts, everybody will know. It'll be all right. Awesome, Jeff. Well, um, that's all I had for you here. Um, All right, so to end it with this, it looks like, according to the calendar of schedule of games, the Reds and the Cubs were not due to play each other until May 29th up at Wrigley. They were about to start a three-game series on May 29th. Hopefully, by then, maybe we'll have some concrete knowledge of when baseball will be played. I Gosh, I hope so. <laughs> it, it, it may be a little rough for that to be the first series of the year, but hey, if it's not, 
June 4th through the 7th, a four-game series. The Cubs come to Great American Ballpark, so let's all hope and pray that by then we've got some baseball. Yeah, fingers crossed, man. I uh, I, I really hope. I know it, it sounds. I know at least in Chicago there won't be games played till May. Um, I I know that they could pay, maybe relocate to spring training for a little bit and start the season there or whatever it may be. But um, yeah, I, I think I think we're probably looking at like mid-May start would be my guess, which is, you know. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> sucks. It just sucks. And, you know, obviously with more serious things going on, you don't want to complain about it. But it's still like, you know, I mean, this is <laughs> we were so close, Jeff. It was right there, man. <laughs> so I could taste it, man. And like I was I mean, today we're, we're releasing this. This is a Thursday. So I, I know that there's plenty of people that are feeling my pain too. you know, poured one out this morning for the tournament. So uh, hoping, uh, right. you know, hoping we can get back to some normalcy here pretty soon. Yeah, definitely. But hey, not to end the show on that kind of a depressing note, I'm definitely going to make my way up to Wrigley this, uh, hopefully this year. I was planning on making it up this year. We'll see how the protracted schedule makes that happen. But uh, yeah. definitely want to get up there and get me a. Uh, definitely want to get up there and get me a Chicago dog and some old style. <laughs> yes, a hundred percent. We'll. Well, definitely. Yeah. If you make your way, if you're out anywhere in Chicago, you let me know. I, yeah, I, I definitely owe you a few beers, but, um, I need to, I really want to get up to, I've, I've never been to great American ballpark. I really want to check out the stadium, but I also, I've never had skyline chili. Oh yes, absolutely. <laughs> we'll, we'll get you down here. We'll get you some skyline. And then, uh, after you figured out whether it's a sauce or a soup, we can head on over to Frybox and get us a s'mores Frybox. Um, I was trying to tell Whoa. Sully about that the other day. I saw yeah. you talking about this. This <laughs> yeah. looked incredible, he was, man. <laughs> he was not enthused, but I, I'm telling you. I, of course, who knows? I could try it and hate it, but I really got this feeling I'm going to like it, which is probably a bad thing because it sounds like death in a box, but I'm definitely going to go for that death. Oh, I mean, if, if what what is life without some risk, right? Right. <laughs> exactly. Life on the edge, my friend. Life on the edge. Oh man, I appreciate it, Jeff. We'll definitely we'll have to set up a time. We'll we'll do some crossover uh, baseball exploring at each other's stadiums. <laughs> Absolutely, Sean. I appreciate it, man. That's gonna do it for Lockdown Reds here on this Thursday. On tomorrow's show, we're gonna. Get back to looking at a couple of different players for this upcoming season, whenever the season may start. Also want to get a look at the Cardinals and how they may be approaching the 2020 season. But before we end today's episode, make sure that you are subscribed to the podcast on all the many podcasting platforms. Follow me on Twitter at Jeff Carr with three F's and follow the show at Locked On Reds and save the Locked On Reds line number into your phone at 513-549-0159. All right, now that you're done here with Locked On Reds, thanks so much for listening to today's show. Tell your smart device to play Locked On MLB. Thanks, guys. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.